Woo! Blaine and Mickey, 104 by the zone. How in the world is everybody doing? Uh, Ooh, Super Bowl well, coming at up. Least the, the Titans are doing great. Well, Vrabel. Vrabel's doing well, great. Well, him and JR with the new, you know, long term deals and extensions and everything else and you, whatever it was worth. But, you know, hey, we, we'll find that out at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah I'm never. sure it was a nice little hefty uh, razor, deservingly so. Mike Vrabel, this is his week. Contract extension. Yeah. Had to be for. Minimum of four, prob- probably five. Mm, probably four or five years. Mm. We don't know how much. Let's just guess four million. Okay. So I'm, I'm going five. So let's say, let's, okay, let's say five. So 20, 25 million extensions. I mean, he's, I mean, he's broken all the records. I mean, it's just everything uh, in, in the Oiler Titan history, Oilers Titans history. I mean, so man, I, I, five may be low. I mean, when you start looking, I mean, the highest is like nine. Like, I want to say Belichick, maybe, or somebody around that yeah. range. And then, I, and at least in the NFL, and I go, well, where does he fit in this? He at the bottom of the elite, and he's younger? I'm locking this guy down for five years, and I'm, he may get up to the seven, eight, I don't know, per year. We got to put on, like, all it's, black one night and some masks. He's the best coach in Titans history. And Oilers is in this little short window. For, what is it, four or five years? Well, Lucas sent us this the other day. We were talking. The Titans put out this information. The two winningest coaches in their first four years are Jack Pardee, right? Yeah, and who, who I played for my rookie year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> Blake played for Jack Pardee. Yeah. So, when did, the so, late, great Jack Pardee. So Fish took over in, what, 95? Yeah, I asked the wrong person. Uh, I want to say halfway through the season and... Is uh, it 96? No, 95. Okay. 95. Yeah, 95. Yeah. Jack Party was a fantastic football player. He ran player the run and shoot at the, for the Washington Redskins. Too. And, and uh, for the University Commander. of Houston. Yeah. And, and then that's uh, kind of how they got him. They signed him there. And then when I got on the team, it's when they fired the D.C. after they lost the, the Buffalo Bills game. It came back 30 points or so back in the playoffs. So then they hired Buddy Ryan. And Buddy Ryan basically ran the defense. And they hired him without even asking Jack Pardee, who's the head coach. And Does that sound like Bud Adams? So it was a conflict hey, of your, interest every day at practice. Can you imagine? No, just imagine practice. Buddy Ryan would be like, oh, we sacked him. We sacked him. We sacked him. This team is not going to win unless your guys block. You got can't just throw the ball everywhere without leaving protection. I mean, literally, there was a time at practice that Buddy Ryan, and, I, and just think now, I'm a rookie. So just from my head coach, D.C., he says to the defense, Buddy Ryan, the late great Buddy Ryan and late great Jack Party. Goodness. We're going in. <laughs> We're going in. This is a Crap shoot. This is BS. This is horrible offense. It's not, you know, they run and run and shoot. We're going in. They got sacked five times. They, they, they just don't know what they're doing. This is like halfway through, I mean, maybe fourth game. We go in. I go, go in. And the Jack Pardee's standing there saying, like, no, he's real calm. No, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're, don't go in. We're, we, you know, he didn't run the offense. It was Kevin Gilbright ran the offense. And so I'm confused. I'm like, well, what? Am I supposed to listen to the head coach? I'm supposed to use the D.C. I said, well, what? I'm looking around like, hey, man, what are we supposed to do? Right now, I am your head coach. I wanted you. I drafted you. You better take it in. I said, oh, I'm going in. <laughs> I'm going in. 
<laughs> I don't think Jack Party told me that the next day. Say, hey, uh, you can't be hitting our players, uh, our starters. I said, well, that it? you need to go talk to Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan told me to hit everything that moves. I said, so it's not on me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He, I said, he just told me to hit everything that moves. You're telling me don't hit him, our starters, because you're going to get one of them hurt. And I said, well, I think you, you need to go. He would always stand in the back. That's why I'm pointing like this. Buddy Ryan would have a whistle and just twirl it around his finger and stand at the goalposts and watch the defense from behind. And be yelling from there. Like Coach Mack. Yeah. Because that's the best view to see your defense. Sure. That's kind of where I always stand, too. And that was a view of a safety anyway. Right. So, yeah, I I was perplexed the whole time until I realized that I'm on this team because Buddy Ryan said so. So I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to do what he say. (laughs) He say, run through a brick wall. I said, dang, that wall is not going to move, though. Yeah, yep, you better run through it, or you better try to hit them. Did you ever get MF'd by, like, Haywood Jeffries or somebody? Like, hey, man, stop hitting me. Nah. Ernest Givens, stop hitting me. Well, uh, I could say Ernest Givens, uh, yeah, he wasn't a happy camper. <laughs> hey, man, you better stop all that. I'm not playing with you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know who you think this is. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, hey. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to get better, so I'm going to go on the other side go against Webster Slaughter. <laughs> Webster was sicky, smooth, clean. He wanted to work and get better. If I kind of touched him or tackled him a little bit, say, hey, be careful, be careful. You know, you know, when get, get me hurt or you. <laughs> yeah, uh, e, yeah, EG, we used to call it. Yeah, Ernest Gibbons. Yeah, hey, man, what, what you doing, man? <laughs> oh, he was he was a he was a whippersnapper, man. He was so oh, man. What was he? Five nine? Oh no, but he was quick as lightning. He helped me get better in that slot. Yeah, I was like, if I can guard him and Webster, no. Here's what I used to say. I didn't say guard him. I say if I can hang with them, <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. I'm gonna be great. And that's what happened. And then that was their last year. They were done and out of the league. Uh, right, literally. You know, that it just ended. It's just like, wow. And that crew had been together for a minute. Yeah. Well, Webster had just got there. He came yeah. from the Browns. And then he t- he was there two years, but he tore his ACL his yeah. first year. And he was, oh, man, he was dynamic. Now, you're talking about somebody could stop on a dime and just go the other direction? I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Like, wow. He's one of those guys that if you were alive then and old enough, you're like, oh, yeah, Webster Slaughter is a real good player. I remember watching him in high school with the Browns. Right. That's all I know. I said, this is is this the same Webster Slaughter? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's him. But that's somebody cool. like Lucas's age, Lucas loves football, but he wouldn't have even a reason to remember Wes, Webster Slaughter. Oh, he just laughed when I said, Jack Party, you play for him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one year. And see, I remember him as a player in the 70s for the Redskins. What? He was a good player. He, Jack wait, was watch a linebacker. You just heard me say, he played in the NFL? Oh, no. Yes. I did not know that. I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I was just like Lucas. I didn't go look up my coach. Go see what he did before he goes here. <laughs> he played? I did not know that. He, uh, I might have remembered somebody saying he was a pretty good player. What position he played? O-line? He played linebacker. Yeah, linebacker. Okay. Um, he was, he then. played. Um, he was the nicest man. Goodness gracious. He, he played 57 guy. to 70 with the Rams. And then he was part of the over the hill gang with the Redskins with George Allen, 71 to 73. I remember the old version of him playing for his. He played from 57 to 70 with the Rams oh. before joining the Redskins. But well, all that time, I wasn't even existing. I'm, I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think he was number 32. 
Linebacker? And he played linebacker. Let's or, see. Man, the Washington football team? No, they're the commanders. Is that what you're saying? He was Well, he was a Redskin, yeah, but the yeah. commanders. Here he is, 32. Shout out your boy, 32. Oh, good call. Good call there, Mickey. But all that led us, we led on that rabbit hole after saying Vrabel was the Vrabel's great coach. Vrabel's head coach. And, he's, he's coach the of the year. coach uh, <laughs> in Titans Oilers history. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, he he had to break. We just want to bring up Jack Party in that whole run and shoot because that was the time where they kind of broke all the records with Warren Moon at the helm. Big dog, as I used to call him, uh, throwing the ball all over the place, man. It was kind of unheard of, and they, nobody could really stop it. He said, Buddy Ryan would always say in the red zone, which is the 20 and in, right. is where that's not going to work. And he kept saying that's not going to get us a Super Bowl because he knew the talent we had on the team, and that's going to keep us from winning the Super Bowl. And so he said you had to learn to run the football or put a tight end in for one of those receivers. He wouldn't, and, and it just that, that offense didn't They do that. tried to do that, but it just didn't work. Gilbright wanted to throw it around. Yeah. He said you run out of space for all those receivers, and it's easy for defenders. That's when I learned about, you know, all about not backpedaling into the end zone because they used to red dot me. And, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Dude, what, you, you back, you're going to backpedal out the end zone, man. <laughs> you, who you guarding over there? Uh, nobody. Yeah, don't do that. Make them throw over you. Yeah, he yeah. said, don't be a uh, ding-dong. <laughs> that way, not how he said it. Like, dang, you walk out of there feeling like an ant. <laughs> Like, man, geez, man, good. All right. Uh, right. We took you back in time. We'll take you to Los Angeles next. Buck Rising still hanging Ooh, around out LA, there. Nice transition. He is going to check in with us with all the latest uh, from the Super Bowl. It's coming up next with Buck Rising. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We're not living on the edge, but uh, Buck Rising is. He's been out in Los Angeles all week. He joins us now, courtesy of uh, the good people at Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. Buck, how in the world is uh, L.A. treating you? It's great. Uh, we're uh, we're hanging out downtown right now. I'm out to, out to lunch with a couple of friends that, uh, that work with uh, the, the people that represent. So I'm uh, hanging out with RG3 at lunch right now, so we're doing okay. I'll tell RG3 we said what up. Uh, I mean, RG3 always has a good week, I think, because he's RJ, RG3. But uh, has anybody had a better week than Mike Vrabel? He got a contract extension for untold number of years and millions. Mm-hmm. Then he strolls out with his best friend, Stretch, and uh, gets himself a Coach of the Year award. Oh, well, and called him out, too. Yes, he did. Way. He called his out Stretch. Friend. Yeah. I'm, uh, well, we were, Lucas and I were trying to do some uh, Big J journalism on this earlier. He, he paused when he said best friend, and then he said stretch. So we weren't sure if he was saying my best friend stretch or if he was just that was a subtle message to Luke Fickle, his, uh, you know, the guy that was the best man at his wedding. No, it was really cool to, uh, to see him recognize John Stryker for those of, uh, of us who are not familiar with the uh, the nickname Stretch, and if you're a Titans fan, you know that he coached he coached your team during the preseason game yeah. this year. But he doesn't trust anybody uh, as much as he does Stretch, who has been with him since Houston um, and has been brought up under directly under Mike Vrabel. Um, that's gonna that's gonna be a guy. That it's gonna be curious to see what he does with his career because I think that Stretch knows a lot more about the ins and outs and certainly about how a coach runs a football team without actually having been a coach. I think that 
that's one of the more, you know, right-hand guys like Belichick's got that what Ernie that, that they hide somewhere in an office for <laughs> 20 years in, in New England. That's basically what Brable has in stretch. But, yes, congratulations to Mike Brable on both the contract extension and the coach of the year. And his reward last night, boys, was hanging out on a Zoom call with us at 10.30 p.m. Central Time while he probably just wanted to go hang out with his family and celebrate. Yeah, I'm sure he was absolutely thrilled about that. Uh, he was read, doing all right. I also read he was not thrilled about the traffic in one of the stories that mentioned that he, he was doing carpool yeah. karaoke when he was trying to get to where he was going. Um, I know Titans fans are still big mad, some of them, about how the season ended, but in the history of this franchise, his start is as good or better than anybody's. And it's four straight winning seasons, and he's had five playoff games and a AFC Championship game appearance. Uh, John Robinson did a bold thing to fire Mike Malarkey, who had just won a playoff game. But you'd have to really look and see the success and think uh, they landed on the right guy with Mike Rabel. Certainly, and I, you know, I think I, I think the concept of what they did was bold, right? You don't fire a coach right after he won the first playoff game that your franchise has been to, and I think at the time, I mean, it had been the better part of a decade, if I recall correctly, but like, the, and, and no, I mean, meaning no outright disrespect towards Mike Malarkey, but it was a pretty uninspired hire when they made it. I remember that being very much a part of the dialogue at the time, and so if you recognize it, because we're having this basic conversation, or at least fans are having the same basic conversation around Ryan Tannehill, right? If you see a clear and obvious upgrade, to what you currently have, and it is within the confines of what you're able to work with, go out and do it, regardless of what you what you may fear, the fear of the unknown and things of that nature. Now, the quarterback conversation that we're having right now is much different than what's going on, uh, than, than what they did with Mike Brable and Mike Malarkey, but, I mean, it has certainly paid dividends, and now the question that Mike Brable was asked last night in our Zoom and that he was asked in untold number of interviews after before and after receiving the award, is, okay, how do you get over the hump? You've been the one seed. You've won back-to-back division titles. You've won, uh, you've won at, a, at a pretty decent rate as far as, as far as win percentage is concerned. He's the best coach in Titans history as far as his win percentage thus far, and he's right on par with guys like in Oilers, uh, Oilers lore, like Jack Pardee, as far as what he's been able to do in his first couple of years, first four years specifically, with the rate that he's been able to win at. So, yeah, I mean, there is no question that that was the right decision at the time. Uh, it, it, it continues to be the right decision. And, I mean, I was talking to Jimmy Wyatt. I, I can't remember if he said it with you guys on the air or with 3HL or, or uh, J. Martin Ramon earlier in the week, but uh, Mike Vrabel's the best coach that they've ever had. And that's not a shot at Jeff Fisher. It's just this is a different era of Titans football. And Mike Vrabel is very, very emblematic of where they are heading. And Buck Rising joining us uh, to talk about all this. Again, Two Rivers Ford makes this happen. You can hear Buck every day on the station before us, and you can hear him uh, on the install podcast with Greg Cosell with A to Z Sports and all up and down your uh, radio and internet dials. Well, Buck, uh, well, what did he say with how to now get over the hump? Because the grunt work has been done. Now the hard part begins. Well, Blaine, what do you mean? He said, we got to play better, we got to coach better. Next question. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I, yeah. and and uh, so as far as Mike's concerned, you know, we're never going to get. I mean, even his even his uh, his acceptance speech last night felt. I mean, I was waiting for him to say, "Play better, coach better." I was dying. <laughs> I was say that on the stage at the YouTube theater. In fact, I I I, 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 I wouldn't. I wasn't sure how to try and get a message across to him, other than to 
you know, hit him up and be like, hey, 50 bucks if you do this on the stage. But I don't think Mike would have gone for it. Well, he uh, did a little bit of that, that with moment. Melissa's. Uh, yeah, I think of Melissa Starks there. With, he kind of gave her coach speak there. <laughs> she she kind of like, mm, okay, <laughs> question. Yeah, let's keep it moving. Yeah. Keep it. That's that's how it goes. I think, my, you know, Mike understands how to get out of those things as quickly as humanly possible. Um, the question is to how they get over the hump. I mean, you know, don't turn the ball over. I think he was probably the thing that he said the most obviously. Uh, we all know this. They know this. This is the thing that's been their Achilles heel in, in games that they should clearly and obviously win and in games that they absolutely must win against the Jets in the regular season or against the Bengals in the playoffs. You cannot turn the ball over with this quarterback. And, the, I mean, the quarterback's just not good enough to survive the turnovers that they have basically had come in bunches when they do that. It's nothing new. We all understand this. Blaine, you get this very much as a defensive player, obviously, for so many years in the league. If you, if you create turnovers, more often than not, you're going to come out on the uh, on the winning side of things. So what, where they go from here, I mean, Tim Kelly helps. I don't know if it's the end-all, be-all solution. There are going to be significant changes to the offensive side of the football um, this offseason, both in the draft and free agency, and how they maximize all of that in what is probably their last year, realistically, of a true, a true, you know, peak Derrick Henry uh, performance in the third of four years, uh, uh, the third of the uh, four-year deal that he signed back in 2020. This is basically their window to win with him on the roster at peak performance, or so we think, based on how he responds to the foot. I have to ask you on with Buck Rising, and I could be reading this wrong and just kind of me being, you know, uh, I guess maybe reading too much into it. But every time I, I hear someone talk about Tannehill that's with the organization, I've only heard really the one person who has clout in this whole situation is Jr. I've never heard Mike Vrabel do an article talking about that he's our quarterback. Am I reading too much into this? No, Blaine, you're not reading. Uh, you're not reading any of those because they don't. They don't exist, right? Mike's not making himself available. Um, well, Mike he was just available John. when you interviewed him last night. Yeah, and he wasn't asked specifically about Tannehill. That's completely fair. I mean, that would have been a good opportunity, given the fact that we haven't spoke to him. But what he did say, Blaine, because it was different. You're uh-huh. correct. It was different than John Robinson's situation. What he did say is, we have to be great around him. They are aware of the quarterback's limitations. They are aware that their passing game is not uh, diverse enough, basically, to make up for a quarterback who's just who's going to be easily game planned for. So they know that they need to create these wrinkles within their offense to give themselves a more advantageous, uh, just a better shot to win football games. Because Ryan Tannehill's not going to wow you, right? That's the whole conversation around Ryan Tannehill, even though he has been statistically up there in the same conversation with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and the best in the sport. The difference is there is nothing particularly special about him in the way that you have Patrick Mahomes who can make any throw that you've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers, who probably before Mahomes, the most talented quarterback that any of us have seen play the position. And uh, you can go through the list. Tannehill doesn't have that. So how can you be great around him, including coaching, to maximize the abilities of the quarterback because it's good enough to win football games, certainly. But it cannot it cannot crumple as soon as you get to the postseason the way that it has. I mean, in each of their last three, including Kansas City for the title game, 
and 19 in each of their last three playoff games when you are calling upon the quarterback to do something to give them life. It, that hasn't happened. Well, you could say that's happened in the regular season, but not in the postseason, correct? Is that is that kind of a reference? Or you yeah. don't even believe that? Well, you know, I mean, spectacular. I, I've seen him make – he made a great throw in the in the playoff game, right? The touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, rocket. Like, he he was throwing lasers in the in – the, uh, Right. The San Francisco 49ers game on third down. I, you know, I've made the argument before and, and had Greg Cosell kind of help me understand this in a little deeper detail. Like, that Niners game was a Ryan Tannehill game. A.J. Brown was there to make the play. You have to have somebody to make the catch. But Tannehill on third down was as confident and as competent as we have seen him. So right. efficiency-wise, that is the difference between Ryan Tannehill and these other guys. Whereas if you try and make Patrick Mahomes be patient, you could cause him to make mistakes. Throw an, uh, throw an interception in overtime because he's just he's not that kind of discipline. So if you can maximize the efficiency, the thing that separates Ryan Tannehill from the rest of these guys, then you can you know you can continue to win division titles, you can continue to win football games. But the way that it's I mean, you know, respectfully turtled in the playoffs with him, uh, you you can't have it. But you know I mean he's ripping sixty yard passes to Khalif Raymond in a playoff game on the road in Baltimore. So there are examples of it, but if you don't, if you don't, if you don't finish the deal, you're going to continue to have these things loom over your head in the same way that many other quarterbacks, many more talented quarterbacks than Ryan Tannehill have had in postseasons past. Well, one more for me, and that is, what has your experience been like down at the Radio Row? This is your first experience, right, uh, yeah. on Radio Row? And I know it's COVID still, probably nowhere near the craziest uh, as the time me and Mickey have been down there, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, just kind of take us through uh, what your experience been like. Yeah, I mean it's it's really cool, right? And LA is a great place to have it. But you know, honestly, guys, like I I am I'm probably the wrong person to be ha- you know having these people walk around at different tables and be like, would you like to interview X, Y, and Z? When there's such a generational disconnect between me and the people that they're offered. Not to, not to say that it's a bunch of old guys watching walking around. Oh, there's a whole bunch of people. Uh, me and Mickey's age. Yeah, you can say that. Okay. <laughs> no, what, you know what? Older, older. <laughs> Okay, older than you guys, and and like you know, there's there's some there's I, it's been a unique experience. Like we didn't we didn't load it up with guests the way that, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's the whole reason that you come here. We just kind of did our show, except in L.A., and occasionally we got to talk to some cool people that we that we wouldn't normally get to talk to. So I've really really enjoyed the experience. Uh, it does make me sad, largely for the uh, for our profession, because there's a lot of obesity and a lot of butt crack at Radio Row that I was not uh, I was not adequately prepared for. Not adequately prepared for. I just don't understand why people can't get pants that fit if you know you're going to be sitting for three hours a day. Like, do oh, okay, got you, got you. We'll make sure we'll play that uh, coming back after break about <laughs> butt cracks and everything else at Radio Row that are more important than everything else. But we're on with butt bad, rising bad and butt Row. cracks, right? Rampant obesity. <laughs> Say no to crack, Buck. Um, so this news came, we're going to talk about this a hundred million times till something happens. But Brad Spielberger of PFF puts out his evaluation this week for AJ Brown four for eighty. Um, the spot track evaluation that they've had out for some time is four for sixty nine uh, million and change. Where do you think this eventually lands? Because it's got to land somewhere. Well, I mean, you know, not w- without having uh, without having. Uh, recently signed contracts in front of me, the market value for a, a wide receiver at the top of his game, um, despite you know the availability issues, and those are legitimate, those will be held against him in contract negotiations or extension negotiations, 
Um, but the going rate for a for a top flight wide receiver is twenty million a year, right? Especially with the especially with the way that the salary cap is about to take a hike. Um, as much as they can get it up close to twenty five million is what they are expecting to receive after taking a sixteen million dollar haircut last year. So I mean it's definitely gonna be closer to that eighty million dollar figure. Um how how they kind of work through the the details of that hopefully for their sake they get it done sooner rather than later because the price point is only going to go up and i mean we've seen it with uh, perpetually this is not just exclusive to this era of titans football but just to kind of use a couple of recent examples Corey davis in a contract year absolutely maxed out whatever Corey davis is probably going to be throughout the course of his career harold harold landry was spectacular in a contract year, and while Harold, I think, is still going to continue to be a great player, there's no question, and I know for a fact, having talked to people close to Harold, that what he desires more than anything is to be the highest paid uh, uh, player in his posi- in his room, right, at that position. Mm-hmm. That is what Harold Landry wants. You can, you can play for winning teams. You can do all those things. It would be great if he could do it here in Tennessee, but he's not going to value anything more than that price point um, based on the people that I've talked to. So, with AJ, I I don't know if if he feels similarly. I I haven't I haven't been able to suss that out just yet. But the going rate for a top flight wide receiver is going to be close to twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, and the BFF story about that said he's the highest highest graded receiver they've ever had uh, on PFF. I mean, he's the best wide receiver that we've seen play in 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 a, in a. Just let me let me correct myself because Derek Mason still holds that title and should rightfully so. But A.J. is unquestionably the most talented player that the Tennessee Titans have ever had at the wide receiver position. Buck Rising, our guest. Oh, so he are... returns punts and kicks, too, huh? Blaine and Mickey. <laughs> yeah, well, Derek, Derek does that. I don't, th- I don't think you got A.J. back there doing that. I, yeah, I don't think yeah. John would, would want A.J. back there doing that. Yeah, yeah we got to be careful to talk about who, who's the greatest and when the numbers aren't there yet. Potentially, definitely, for sure. Uh, that he could be the greatest. Uh, so Talent I guess wise, before we no let question. you, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I guess give us your shot. Who's going to win the game and why? Uh, I am going to pick. I, I never make game picks, but I'm going to do it because we know you love it. Yes. I love it. I love it, and I love the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know why they have no business winning these games. They should have lost every other game that they played in, but because they keep winning, I think the Bengals are going to win. Because why the hell not? There you go, Buck Rising, with a very convincing argument about the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you know, none of, none of it, I, almost, I almost said a bad word. None of this stuff <laughs> makes sense anyway. So, you know, why, why, why not Cincinnati at this point? They've already gotten here. Look They're in the geez. game. They have a chance to win. Well, Buck, uh, enjoy your lunch with your representation. Tell them, you know, Blaine and me are available for uh, consultations as well. And, uh, and uh, it, it, Blaine says he's not, but I am. <laughs> Lucas well, and me are available yeah, for a representation. Listen, and if, tell them if, Mickey plays. If they base. find yeah, out about you guys, me. if they find out about you guys, they know that I've been your opening act for base, you know, an entire year now. I'll be I'll be out the door. And that's why you are. <laughs> yeah, As Lucas right. pointed out, tell them I'm a good yeah, base player. See if that'll help or average anyway. Tell them that. <laughs> see if that gets me, uh, you know, any kind of a bump. Hey, great stuff. Travel safe on the way back, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in L.A., bud. Appreciate it, Buck. Thank you, boys. The one and only Buck Rising. Uh, You can hear him all over the dial here on The Zone and all around town. He is a busy individual. We'll be busy for one more segment today. When we come back, it's time for Call Your Shot. So get your shot ready. This is it. Call Your Super Bowl Shot next on Blaine Mm. and Mickey.
Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What is with you're playing songs that I like today? What is this? Mm. He, he, Motley Crue, Ozzy. By the way, somebody in the chat. Uh, yeah, since we didn't have our screens on, somebody turned them off. I don't know what happened. And, and the name is gone. It said Randy Rhodes. No, Randy did not play on that Ozzy song earlier. That was yeah. uh, Jake E. Lee. <laughs> yeah, I am wearing Patriots gear. Uh, yeah, that, Somebody that's a, ask about that. Yeah, Sierra, yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. It, w- watch this. So I can only wear Titans gear? You could wear Eagles, too. You played for them. No, I can wear whatever the heck I want to wear. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's funny. I learned that when I moved here. It's like if you, if I wore another SEC, like, oh, people t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you doing? Oh, what? you're a fan of, no, uh, it matches my outfit. It's a blue T-shirt. Yeah, it's yeah. blue. Uh, you know, it matches what I got going on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's but, a big game coming up Tuesday. Yeah, so, you Which, know, there's always that. I mean, but no, I actually went to the Super Bowl that the Patriots played in. It was the only Super Bowl I've ever gone to because I said I was never going to go to a Super Bowl until I played in one. Well, once I played in one, I went to the one in Houston, yeah. the Patriots versus the Panthers. And my man Dyson was on the other team. So it was my sure first was. Super Bowl as an attendance. That was the Janet Jackson Oh no, Fiasco. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I've been watching the Janet Jackson. Uh, have you naked by the end of the Documentary has been pretty yeah. cool too. Uh, <laughs> it came on last week, so it's been pretty cool. So yeah, I'm not that guy. I, I wear whatever, you know. Pretty much, it's not that I'm a fan of it or or not. That's not how I'm wired that way. I don't know if I. I have so much Arkansas State stuff. If somebody bought you like a Georgia sweatshirt, could you wear it, Lucas, as a Vol? No, as a Tennessee grad, I. I, no, I <laughs> I don't think I could. Now, if you got me like a, you know, Arizona State, you know, sweatshirt. Sun sure. Devils, you, you'd be good with that. UCLA, somebody out yeah, west, nice sunny spot. Yeah, I, like I wear all colors. kind of stuff, man. People give me a UCLA. I think I had a UCLA sweatshirt earlier this uh, week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lonzo in the chat is weighed in on a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, his uh, He said of charcuterie boards, blue cheese and stone wheat crackers, yay. He says the Titans <laughs> are going to take an O-line pick at pick 26. 26. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. And now time for Call Your Shot, brought to you by Chattanooga oh, Whiskey, man. available at your favorite national retail store. Drink Chattanooga Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly. Alonzo uh, says Rams by 10. Kenneth says Head says Rams by double digits. Hart says Stafford has a back-breaking turnover, and Bengals ride that mistake to a win. Mm. Bengals 28, Rams 25. I hope I'm wrong, says Kenneth. Joe Hunk has called his shot that this will be the greatest Super Bowl halftime show of all time. Oh. Wanted y'all to know that. Mm. Dr. Dre, Eminem. Yeah. Mary, I bet Mary J. Blige outperforms all of them. And Eminem. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop. Ooh. My shot is that the Rams win. I'm with Alan Bell. Said the Bengals want to win, the Rams have to win. I mean, this everything, all the chips were in, right, for this season, for this Super Bowl in their home stadium. I feel like the Bengals' deficiencies up front – at some point, are going to catch up, and they they might catch up against the best pass rusher in football, and Aaron Donald it might be his last shot to win a Super Bowl. I got the Rams. Mm. You got Mixter. I, I keep going back and forth, man, in my brain. <laughs> now I'm overthinking it. I'm pulling a Mickey. <laughs> um, so the Bengals are zero and five when they turn it over two or more times. We talked about that before they played the Titans. They're two and six when they score twenty three points or less. That's the Bengals. The Rams are 1-5 when they give up 27 or more. So if it turns into a high-scoring affair, it probably doesn't bode well for the Rams. But the Rams are 8-1 and one when they rush for 100 yards. And against the Bengals, the Chiefs ran all over them. They just stopped running the ball and stopped going for anything that wasn't a deep throw. They got really impatient. 
if the Rams can win the can run the ball with Cam Akers and um oh Sony Michelle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they can. I think the Rams can win it like twenty four to twenty. Rams. Mm-hmm. Ram it. Hashtag ram it. <laughs> well, last year I picked Tampa Bay because of their front four. Yep. And you they, called that one all like week. Listerine. Uh and man, the front four with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and crew. What do you got? Uh, uh, what's the other kid on the other side from Florida? Fifty-four. I mean, they they've man, they've got a great front four. <sighs> For some reason, I feel like the Bengals will has have a recipe for who that and all that that they bring on the pass rush, and that'll be a sharp passing game. Uh, that's what they were doing with the Titans because what you could see with Joe Burrow is it didn't rattle him at all. Nine sacks, he really got sacked 11 times. All the Bengals have to do is make sure they don't get behind by 14 or more in this game. Then they will win this game because that's what the the Rams have. That's their recipe. Once they get up on you, then they kind of run and throw, and then they go downtown and try to bury you. If the, I, if the score stays close, I, I'm going Burrow. I think Stafford will then try to force things and try to make things happen. So I, I'm just going by the back of Burrow uh, and the receivers and the offense putting up points, even with the lackluster offensive line. I, I just feel like something special is brewing here. Burrow's a sight. He's got that it to him. And uh, I'm going to see if they can carry it all the way to a Super Bowl victory. For the bumbling Bengals, and you will no longer be able to call them that. The Bengals, Super Bowl 56, that's my shot. Can't believe I said that. You really seem like you can't Well, I think this saying. pains me because they beat the Titans. <laughs> but but the Rams paying me even more. So I think that's where this is coming from. Yeah. All right. Well, 3HL is about to be coming from L.A. You want Super Bowl talk? You got it coming up next here on The Zone to 3HL crew in Los Angeles. Yep. In the meantime, in between time. Happy Friday. Okay. And, and peace. peace.